Last time we talked about the cross, Jesus' third prediction in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, the cross, and, and uh, that he was heading to the cross, and, and it won't be long now in the book of Matthew, we'll see we're down to the last week uh, before the crucifixion and the resurrection. And Jesus re- keeps repeating this to his disciples, and it's so important, and that's why we continually come back to the cross, because it's our only hope. It's the only hope we have. We can't save ourselves. We depend on Jesus Christ, our Savior. There's no other way, and, and the question is, do we know that? Do you know that, that he's the only way, the only hope? He would be betrayed, he said. He would be condemned. He'd be turned over to the Gentiles or the Romans. He'd be mocked. He'd be insulted, spit upon, flogged, and crucified, and on the third day raised to life. The cross to pay the price for our sins and the resurrection to to defeat death, our two main problems, our two main enemies, sin and death. So after his disciples, they talked, after Jesus talked to his disciples about these things, two of them came with their mother, we saw, and they wanted, you know, they had this favor to ask. They wanted these top spots in the kingdom, kind of the corporate mentality. I want to be at the top. And Jesus said in verse 22, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And we can, they answered. And they would indeed suffer. We know that. We saw that. But those spots were given by the Father, he said. Now, each of us, you and I, each one of us, we have our own cups. We have our own lives to lead. And they're all very different. We have our own joys. We have our own sorrows. But we have the same Savior. And he's with us, each one of us, through this journey of life. He's faithful. And I want to encourage you that he's faithful, no matter what it is that you're going through. The other disciples, it says that they heard about this, and they were indignant when they found out about this exchange. And really, I think it was because they wanted those spots. There was some jealousy, rivalry. They wanted those top spots, selfish ambition. And let's read again verse 26, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why we sang that song, and I, 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 it'd be awesome if it could be a truly a prayer of our hearts. Make me a servant, humble and meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are weak, and may the prayer of my heart always be, make me a servant. It's a, it's a simple prayer, a simple song that, that uh, will, will change our lives if we're if we see that God wants us to simply be servants, not celebrities. Someone said greatness is determined by servanthood. And the greatest example was who? That's right, Jesus, our Savior. He also gave his life as a ransom for many who died in our place. One more note I, I want to point out to you that most likely, uh, many, many believe anyways that, that these three that came, the two boys and their mother, uh, Salome, they believe was her name, that she was actually there at the cross when Jesus was crucified. And seeing this, you know, this all happening now, Jesus on the cross, but then two crosses, one on either side of him. And, it, and I wonder what she was kind of thinking as this was all unfolding, as she remembers back to the time she came and asked Jesus, I want to, you know, I want my boys to be one on one side and one on the other, one on your right, one on your left. And then she sees this now unfolding before her. 
And there weren't two crowns there, but two crosses. Interesting to think about. Today, we, we're going to look at the last few verses in the chapter 20, Jesus in action. Really, there's two things I want to focus on today. One is Jesus, his example of serving, how he served and what he did. And, and secondly, the, the insistence of these uh, two blind men that they wanted to see and they were insistent. And they ended up being touched by Jesus and then following him. So let's pick it up in verse 29. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. There was a large crowd. There was plenty to keep him busy. But we see in the story that he reaches out to these two blind men who were beggars, really. They were on the side of the road, and that's how they survived. They were beggars. They would just you know, survive on the charity of others. And they were, they were not part of this crowd who were, you know, this bustling crowd. Uh, some of this crowd, of course, were heading to Jerusalem for the, the time of the Passover, but many of them were, were following after Jesus, kind of wanting to be part of this thing that was happening, this exciting thing that was happening. Not understanding, of course, all about the cross and, and what was about to happen. So it says in verse 30 that these two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. They shouted that. Notice that. They were not able to see, but they were able to hear. And isn't it true? Often when one of our senses is, is impaired for one reason or another, that, that the others become more... Um, uh, acute. And so they didn't, they weren't able to see, but they were, they were able to hear that Jesus was going to buy. And I think that, you know, as, as, you know, they spent most of their lives out on the roadside, they would hear that what was going on as people were going by. And they heard about this man, Jesus. But now they hear that he is actually coming by. He's going to pass right by them. He's going to be very close. He's going to go right by them. And it says that they shouted out. It wasn't a simple little, oh, I wish he'd stop and help me. Or, you know, Jesus, are you there? A little whisper. It says that they shouted. And one scholar describes that word, and the word is krazo, K-R-A-Z-O, it says, he describes it as the instinctive shout of ungoverned emotion, a scream, an almost animal cry. He says the word well shows the utter desperation of the man. I mean, these guys were crying out because they knew that, that they needed help. And look what they shouted. But first, let me mention, someone else said that, that it was like the cry of a woman in childbirth. These Two were serious. They wanted to be heard by Jesus. They were determined. Now, I don't believe for a minute that Jesus is hard of hearing, right? And I don't believe that, you know, we need to shout about everything. I mean, some places you go, they, like God is like God, you know, wearing hearing aids or something, and unless we're all shouting and yelling, then God can't hear us. But that's not the point that I'm trying to make. The point is that they were so determined, so insistent that, that they, wanted, they wanted to have this connection with Jesus. They were going to shout. They were going to do whatever they had to do to get there. That's the point. And look what they shouted. They shouted, Lord, 
Son of David, have mercy on us. It's about who he is, isn't it? He's Lord, he's Master, he's Son of David, which signified Messiah, that he was the answer. And their cry of their hearts were to have mercy. The cry of their hearts was to have mercy on us. And mercy is not getting what we deserve. The wages of sin is what? Death for all of us, for them, for you, for me. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And, and you, know, you and I, we are blind, we are sinful, we are in great need. And, I'm, and I don't want to spiritualize the text that these men were physically blind. But there certainly is an application there that you and I are just as blind in other ways. We can't see. And only Jesus Christ can help us. And for us to cry out to him, Lord, have mercy, you know, that we really and truly want mercy from God. We don't just want to have a, you know, little kind of a fun little thing that's happening. We want to have something from God. We, we need his mercy and we're going to cry out for it. And we're going we're gonna, to uh, continue to be persistent and persevere until we have the relationship with him that is real, that is vibrant, that is alive. They were shouting. They were so serious. Now, these two, they weren't part of the crowd. And, 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 and look what the, crowd, the crowd's response to hearing these shouting. Now, these are the ones that, as I said, most of them were following Jesus. Get that. But look at their response. In verse 31, it says, The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. The crowd, these guys that were, this whole crowd, these people that were following Jesus, somebody's crying out to Jesus, and they should be saying, Yes, more. Someone else that can join the crowd. Someone else that can have a relationship with Jesus. No, you be quiet over there. Don't you know we got church going on here? We got something, you know, Stay out of it. we got a good thing happening. It, it, it goes back to Matthew chapter 19. You remember Jesus and the little children. People would bring their children to Jesus that, and have him place his hands on them, it said, and, and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. The disciples, half the time, they don't have a clue what's going on. I don't know that we're much better sometimes. But these two, these two blind men, though there was a crowd all around, you know, just trying to shout them down, they didn't listen to the crowd. They didn't listen to the crowd. They didn't listen to the opinion of those around them. They didn't listen to, you know, what people were trying to force them to do or not to do. They knew that they needed to reach Jesus. They needed to connect with him. That's what they knew, and they, wasn't, they weren't going to let anything stop them. They were persistent. It says, they shouted all the louder. They shouted louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. They don't care what others say. We, you know, the, 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 the thought for them was we need his mercy, and we're not going to let him pass by without him hearing us, without us having a, a communication with him without us reaching out to him and him knowing that that at least that we're here how many times do we go even to church sometimes and you know it's just well you know the time just goes by and we we miss those opportunities 
to, to, to reach out to Jesus. And, and we maybe hear His voice speaking to us through His Word, and, 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 and we don't respond. We kind of, you know, we kind of just go home and, 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 and let those moments pass by. These two were not about to let that pass by. Didn't matter what the crowd thought. Didn't matter what these people that were, you know, supposedly spiritual, maybe following after Jesus said. I read this, and I find a couple of quotes. Uh, you know, one of them says this, There's much to admire in people who go against the grain, who stand against the crowd, who shout it louder when they're told to keep quiet over there. The crowd wants these beggars to behave like respectable beggars. <laughs> quiet, passive, unobtrusive. But these two would not be silenced. It says, if you're searching for the faith, wondering about Jesus, thinking about commitment, don't let the crowd keep you quiet. God will answer your prayers, and when that happens, shout for all you're worth. And when you're searching for truth, don't settle for anything less. Passive people take the crowd's advice. Finders keep yelling until they get answers. See what I, you see the point? What are you going to, you know, are you going to go for it? Or are you just going to kind of like, oh, you know, we'll see what happens. No, we're not going to see what happens. We want to see Jesus. That's what they were thinking. Not I want to see what happens. I want to see Jesus. A Baptist pastor, I'll, I'll, I'll preface this quote by saying, and you'll understand why. He says, when the crowd told him to be silent, Told them to be silent. They shouted to the Lord, Jesus, Son of David, Lord, have mercy. Says, yelled so loudly that everyone got quiet. And in the 1800s, there were Methodists who were called shouting Methodists because they were a lot more emotional in their worship services than the Baptists. And then later it says, he says that the Baptists got fired up. And some were called shouting Baptists. In fact, there's still a group of Baptists in Virginia who are, no, who are known as the shouting Baptists. <laughs> he says, I think part of our problem is we've gotten too dignified to shout. These days, he says, the only shouting Baptists are angry folks in the parking lot after church. <laughs> he says, we're known as the snoozing Baptists. But not the shouting Baptist. Oh, we sing when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll, we'll sing and shout the victory. He says, if you aren't shouting down here, what makes you think you're going to shout up there? Some of you want to shout amen or glory sometime, but you're afraid of what the crowd may think. These didn't listen to the crowd. They just shouted to the Lord. David, in Psalm uh, uh, in, uh, in 2 Samuel 22, he says, In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God, and from his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry came to his ears. This was no simple, quiet prayer. This was crying out to God. But sometimes we're afraid to like, have any emotion. We're afraid to like, you know, get involved, and we're afraid to do, do something, do anything. Now, I'm not saying that we all got to become like, you know, crazy, um, you know, I won't use any terminology that you're probably thinking right now, 
But, but I don't, I'm not saying we need to let loose and like, you know, go insane here, but there's something about this that we need to like, let loose a little bit here. Are we like the snoozing Calvary Chapel people? Are we, are we, are we serious? Are we holding back? I read this quote in a, a, a devotional book by Tozer, A.W. Tozer, who was a pastor and a writer. Um, and his, the, the title of it was Our Fear of Emotions. I'm just going to read part of it to you. He says, in, in spite of the, the undeniable lukewarmness of most of us, we still fear uh, fear that unless we keep a careful check on ourselves, we shall surely lose our dignity and become howling fanatics by this time next week. If we're not careful, by, you know, it's gonna, a week from now, we're going to be howling fanatics. He says, we set a watch upon our emotions day and night, lest we become over-spiritual and bring, uh, bring reproach up upon the cause of Christ. And listen to this. He said, which all, if I may say so, is for most of us about as sensible as throwing a cordon of police around a cemetery to prevent a wild political demonstration by the inhabitants. <laughs> Did you get that? Do you know what I'm saying here? Do you know what he's saying here? you know what we see here in the lives of these two blind men? They, they wanted to have a relationship with Jesus. They wanted to reach out to him. They weren't going to let stuff get in the way. And maybe a little emotion. And sometimes, you know, some tears are good. And sometimes some joy is good. But, but we're so, you know, stayed sometimes. Again, I don't think that um, knowing you and, and you knowing me, I don't think by next week we're going to become howling fanatics, okay? You don't have to worry about that. But I think we're missing out on some good stuff because we're, we're, we just hold back. We've got to hold ourselves in check. Let's, look, uh, uh, let's move on to uh, look at the, the example of Jesus in verse 32. They cried out to him. And what does it say there in verse 32? Jesus just kept walking. Jesus ignored them. Jesus said, I'll come back another day. No, it says Jesus stopped. He stopped and he called them. Again, we've been seeing in the last few uh, uh, sections of the, of the Gospel of Matthew about serving, you know. And, and really it is, it's about serving people. And that's what we see here in this example of Jesus. He, he served people. He cared about people, as we'll see. And, and he heard them. The first thing is that he heard them. He heard them. He stopped because he heard them. He heard their voices. And, and uh, someone said this, surely there were hundreds of voices in the crowd that day calling out to Jesus, but he was able to distinguish their cry for mercy from the roar of the crowd. And Jesus is still listening for the one voice among the murmur of the crowd. And when you call out for him, he will stop and respond to you. Jesus listening for that one voice. He hears your voice. Not You're just not part of the crowd, part of the group, but he hears you. He hears me. And it says, secondly, that he stopped. Now, we know Jesus was pretty busy, right? He was a pretty guy. He had a lot of things to take care of. 
You know, and him and the Father like running the whole universe and, and he's kind of busy. And sometimes we think that, oh, he's just too busy. He really doesn't have time for me. But we see here these two who are really like pretty far, way, way down on the totem pole when it came to, you know, status. They were blind. They were beggars. They, they you know, they were down, down, down. And Jesus stopped because they were important. He cared about them. He stopped. Serving requires, number one, listening. And number two, stopping, taking time. But we're all so busy. I, you know, it's so true, and I know it's so true. We're all very, very busy. And, but some of the stuff we do, how, how important is some of the stuff we do? Some of the stuff, you know, we're so busy, you know, watching television. <laughs> i got to catch the next episode of, you know, I'm so busy because i got to finish this so I can get to that. And then I can get to the next thing and the next thing. But Jesus, it didn't matter. It says he stopped. These two were important. These people were important. Serving requires stopping, taking time. It says he called, to, he called them. He reached out to them and, and, he, and, he, and he spoke to them. Serving requires reaching out, communicating. And look what he said to them. He said, in verse 32, he said, What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you, he asked. He asked how he could help. Isn't it true, though, that, that sometimes we don't really want to ask? Why don't we want to ask? No. Why don't we want to ask? We really don't want to know. And because that might require us to do something, right? It, it might require us to stop and maybe pray for them, or, or, or it, it, it might go on like five minutes if we ask them, how are you really doing? And they might take like five minutes of my time, and i I got to get to the next thing, and if I don't get there... You know, because I'm so busy and, and those, those uh, interruptions, someone called them blessed interruptions. You know, we don't want to, we don't, we don't ask because we don't want to know because it might interrupt my plans and my purposes. Jesus, he stopped. He heard them, he stopped and he, he reached out to them and he asked them, how can I help you? What's going on? Serving requires us to ask how, how we can help. I think one of the reasons we don't ask, too, is because we're afraid. We're afraid. Fear stops us from doing a lot of things. We're afraid that they might ask us to do something that we can't do. We're afraid that, you know, it's bigger than we are. Well, it's always bigger than we are, no matter what we ask, no matter where they are. It's always going to be bigger. So we have to, like, know that going in. But Jesus asked, now doesn't, doesn't mean, right, that Jesus would always say yes, right? Because in the last section we saw with James and John, Jesus said to them what? When they asked for those top spots, what did, they, what did he say? He said no, right? They're not mine to give. He said no, I'm not going to give you those spots. 
But, but Jesus still wants to ask them, what is it that I want you to do? He won't always say yes. And for you and I, when we talk and we ask how we can help people, it doesn't mean we can always do what's needed. But we can pray with them, and we can pray for them, and we can maybe try to find someone else who's better suited to actually help in that situation. Someone else might, might have the gift that you don't have. Because none of us have all the gifts Jesus, it says that he heard, he stopped, and he called them, and he asked how we could help. Someone said, and at last we understand greatness in the kingdom of Jesus is stopping for the needs of others. Let me say that again. Greatness in the kingdom of Jesus is stopping for the needs of others. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. We, we all know that, but, but this is what Jesus did, and, and, and he's, he, he said he didn't come to be served, but to serve, and he, and he said for you and I that if we want to be great, we, we need to be a servant. He says, finishing this quote, he says, it's setting aside for the moment our own hurts, our own concerns to listen, and then to ask, what do you want me to do for you? To stop. To be great in the kingdom of Jesus is to stop and take care of someone else. Verse 33, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. They weren't afraid to say, you know, we want to see. We want to be able to see. And for you and I, if someone said that to us, yeah, we'd, be, we'd go like, wow, I really can't help you. What can I do for you? But what you and I can do is bring them to Jesus because he's the only one who can help. And, and, and to point people to Jesus Christ, that's the, that's the answer, to, to, to point him to the Savior. We want to see. We want our sight. We want to see. And look at verse 34. Jesus, it says, who's the ultimate servant, it said he what? It says he had compassion on them. And touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. He had compassion on them. This word compassion means to care with. Compassion, have passion with, care with someone. Someone else said to feel with deep sympathy. He cared and he, he felt with them. Jesus had compassion. And, and for us to be a servant... To have compassion for other people, to care with them, to care for them, to care about them, to care for people. Again, if we're so busy with our own thing, we're so worried about ourselves, we're not really going to care about people. Who cares? I got to go, you know, do this. I got to go do that. Jesus, he stopped. He listened. He had compassion. He reached out to them. Serving in the, in the world we live in, it requires a caring heart. And, and maybe our hearts are hardened. Maybe we've been hurt. Maybe our hearts just, just don't have the capacity to reach out and care for anybody else but ourselves. You know what? We need to pray, right? We need to pray that would change. Because, because that's so selfish, so self-centered. But Jesus was not self-centered. He said, be like him. Be like Jesus. Caring about other people. And lastly, we see there that he, 
that he actually touched them. He touched their eyes. He touched them right at their point of need. He cared about them, and he did something about it. Now, again, we may not be able to do something, but there may be something that we can do right at their point of need. We find out that, you know, they can't, you know, buy any groceries uh, this week. So what are we going to do about it? Well, I'll go pray for you, and then I'm going to go home and eat my, my, you know, whatever you eat when you go home. But maybe, maybe we can buy a bag of groceries for them and put it on their doorstep. We've had times where, where we didn't have any food and, and we heard a knock on the door and we opened the door and there's groceries sitting out there. We don't know who left them there. God provides, but God provides through people like you and like me. Maybe it's not something we can physically do, but maybe we, can, we know somebody else. Maybe their car is broken down. We know someone else who maybe can help them. Maybe they, their roof is leaking and, we, and we, we, you know, or maybe they just have this, this uh, a need to someone just listen to them for five minutes, ten minutes. He touched them. He, he touched them at, at their point of need. And, and, and maybe for you and I to stop and pray for somebody, you know, um, to, to put our hand on their shoulder and say, can I just pray for you and, and, and put your hand on their shoulder and pray for them. Don't walk away and say, again, uh, letting these opportunities pass by. You know someone has a need and you say, well, okay, I'll pray for you. How many times do we do that, right? Oh, I'll pray for you. And then we rush off. And then we see them next week at church and you go, I didn't pray for that. I told them I was going to pray for them. I didn't pray for them. And they've, you know, and then, you know, their life's ruined because you didn't pray for them. (laughs) You know, well, not exactly. But just think how, how you could have impacted their lives and how the Lord hears those prayers. Serving requires doing something, touching people. It says immediately they received their sight and followed him. And that's miraculous. We know that that is miraculous. Again, and, and, and God is the one that opens eyes. And one of the things that Jesus came to do was to open the, bli- the blind eyes. And God, I, I, I don't believe for a minute that that, that God is, is unable to heal people nowadays. You know, this whole idea that he stopped healing people, you know, back in the days of the apostles, he doesn't do that anymore. Uh, that's ridiculous. I think we, we hear these um, testimonies. I just heard another one uh, um, uh, yesterday about a missionary uh, who, you know, just no, has seen that, that God is still healing people. But it happens, you know, in other places, but not here. But part of the reason, I think we just our faith is so complicated. And our faith is so simple. I don't know. There's a lot of, lot of times that God doesn't heal people. I don't know why he would heal one and not another. I don't know why he would answer this way and not another way. But, but, but does that, should that stop us from praying for somebody? It says that they were healed immediately. They received their sight. They didn't have to go around confessing it. They had it, right? And then once they received it, it says they followed him. They followed him. The crowd didn't even want them to ask to bother Jesus. It's like Jesus and the, the, the synagogue ruler, you know, the people said, you know, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter's dead. But it says, ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue, really, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. 
no matter what is going on. Don't be afraid, just believe. Those are words for you and me today, every day. It says they could now see and they saw Jesus and they followed him. And I, and I truly believe that if we see him, we will follow him. If we truly see him for who he is, we will follow him. There's nothing else we can do but follow him. So the two things here, number one, the example of Jesus who really shows us how to serve, that he heard and he listened, that he stopped, he reached out, he asked how he could help, he had compassion, he cared, he touched them at their point of need. And then the other side, on these two men, these two blind men, they shouted out the insistence, the persistent, persistence, shouting out for mercy to Jesus, the Lord, the Son of David. I think that's both two things that we, that we need. I don't know what God is, is speaking to you in your heart and your life and, and what's going on with you, but, but I want to just take a, a few moments as we, as we close here today. And maybe, maybe it is that God has been speaking to you. Maybe there's a certain specific thing, certain person or a certain situation that is coming to your mind, and you need to do something about it. I want, I want to give you that opportunity to, to, uh, to speak to Jesus about it and, and ask him for the strength to do maybe what you need to do. And maybe some of you, you know, you want to connect with him and you, and, and you just feel afraid, you feel, you know, pushed back and maybe others around you, family even sometimes, are, are trying to stop you from making progress in your search for spiritual truth. And you need to just say, you know what, I don't, I don't care about that anymore. I want Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity when we pray to simply surrender and, and do that. Let's pray together, shall we?